the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Real Life Radio is sponsored by River City Community Church. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus said in John 10.10. And we're wrapping up this series from Pastor Sean called Rethinking Impossible. And the question is, do you have a vision? Whether or not you consider yourself a visionary person, a vision of God can provide you with incredible motivation and direction for living. So what do you do with that? It's the so what of our faith. Grab a Bible. This final message in this series is called So What? Here's Pastor Sean Azaro. It's time for Real Life Radio. If you have your Bibles, if you'll turn with me to Ephesians 1, we're going to wrap up this conversation called Rethinking Impossible. Rethinking Impossible. And I hope that has been what's happening. I hope you've actually reconsidered. Wait a minute. Nothing is impossible with God. That has some very powerful implications. And that's what we've kind of looked at. We began with this idea that God did the impossible so we would believe. That was on Easter. We started with that premise. He did the impossible because that's what John told us. So many of the things Jesus did, he did that so we would believe because belief changes everything. Belief really is. It's that core idea that drives and moves us. We talked about mountain moving faith. We looked at freedom, the idea that freedom has nothing to do with how much you make and everything to do with how much you trust. Finances doesn't have to be that inhibitor. And last week we addressed one of the big obstacles to God's work, even his doing the impossible in our lives, and it's our own fear. We said the path to the impossible generally runs right through the gate of our fear. And we looked at some things that we don't need to be afraid of when we're following Jesus. So there's a question that I want us to wrap up with. I want us to address today. And it's a very simple question, and it's kind of, so what? And it's a question I think preachers should always kind of ask. Whenever we present something, there should be that kind of, okay, so what? There's three questions I generally have when I look at a talk, and I just, before I present, I want to be able to say, okay, what do I want folks to know? What do I want them to do? And so what? Why should they care? What difference does this make? And really, in the context of this conversation, that's a very important question. How does this change how we're going to follow Jesus? Because that's really the deal. What difference does this make? How does this translate to living and walking differently in Christ? Because that's where the rubber meets the road. That's what this is really about. How sad would it be to have this conversation come away, wow, there's some great examples scripturally, and yeah, we've seen some things. God really can do the impossible. Okay, and then being unchanged by that idea, that huge, big idea. So today we want to look at, okay, what does this mean? So how do, we, how do we do something with this? Rethinking impossible. How does that translate to living and walking differently in Jesus Christ? Now in Ephesians 1, that's where we're going to be today. Ephesians chapter 1. This You want to talk about big themes, talk about sweeping Paul in The book of Ephesians just gives us this picture of us being part of something huge, big, and cosmic that God has been doing. 
If you've ever read through Ephesians, you might have noticed some sentences that translators just, because Paul didn't stop them, so translators, they're like these huge sentences. You're like, those are run-on sentences. They're trying to fit everything into that sentence. Yep. Because it is, it's this, these big ideas of what God is giving us. They, he begins the book he, by just this praise to God. And he says, by, I praise God who's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Think about that. Every spiritual blessing is ours in Christ. And then he lists a few. He says, we've been chosen for adoption in Christ as sons and daughters. We're his. We're not just servants, not employees, not workers in his field. We are first and foremost adopted as sons and daughters in Christ Jesus. He talks about redemption through his blood. That that whole idea that we just celebrated, communion. That is him paying our sins so that we could be redeemed and enjoy fellowship with Father. Redemption through his blood. Forgiveness according to the riches of his grace. We could talk for months on those two concepts and not even scratch the surface. Forgiveness and grace. And they are ours in Christ. Think about that according to the riches of his grace. I love that phrase. He talks about the mystery of his will. Do you know God has a will that involves you? And that that mystery is revealed in Christ and it's ours? And then he wraps up that little portion by saying, and he gave us the Holy Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance. That is some strong language. A deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. As sons and daughters, there is an inheritance a heritage that is ours, and the Holy Spirit is that present, active deposit guaranteeing that God's presence within us. So then, in verse 15, I want you to hear Paul's heart, because because of what we just kind of summarized there, in verse 15 he picks up and says, for this reason, because of how God has blessed us with every spiritual gift, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. He's pretty serious. He doesn't say, oh, I gave thanks for you. I haven't stopped giving thanks, and I haven't stopped praying for you. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you, listen, the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. In other words, uh, when we sing God, you reign, Paul's like, yep. That's exactly right. He is the king. He has no equal. There is no parallel. I love that he begins this, this little section here by saying, I've not stopped giving thanks and praying for you. This is, there's something urgent here he's trying to get across. I keep asking for the spirit of wisdom and revelation for you so that you may know him better. That's the whole point. The whole point of the cross, the whole point of what we celebrate with communion is that we may know him and have a vibrant, active, daily relationship with him. That's, that's the point. If, if we go through all these motions and we don't experience that, he's like, you've missed it. A spirit of revelation and wisdom that we may know him. 
And the phrase that I want to focus in on a little bit this morning is this phrase, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. I love that phrase, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Did you know your heart had eyes? Were you aware of that? That you didn't know that. That's free today. Eyes to see. Do you know there are things that the eyes of your heart can see that these eyes can't? And he, his prayer is that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. I want you to see some things with your heart, not just with your head, not just with your, your physical eyes, but something deep or something real. And I want you to see it. I want you to feel it. And he lists off three things he wants us to see with the eyes of our heart. The hope to which he's called you. He says, the eyes of your heart enlighten in order that you may know the hope to which he's called. Do you know we're supposed to be people filled with hope? Not supposed to be hopeless. Not supposed to be dismal. Not supposed to be discouraged all the time. We're supposed to be people with hope because of Christ. When you feel hopeless, just know it's not. It's never hopeless in him. And there are a lot of things that can be discouraging. You know, when I look around at culture sometimes, see stuff in the news or see how people respond, it's, it can just be discouraging. And you can begin to lose hope. Ever had that feeling? It's like, ugh. How about sometimes when you hear certain people interviewed on the news, you're like, dear Lord, what's happening to us? Oh, oh my gosh. It can seem hopeless. As a Spurs fan, every time I watch Steph Curry shoot, I feel hopeless. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We can take them. I got a lot of confidence. But seriously, we don't have to live hopeless. We don't have to. In, in the big stuff that we kind of get burdened down with, we don't have to let that beat us up. He says, the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that you may know the hope which he's called. The second thing is the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. We have an inheritance as sons and daughters. That inheritance includes redemption in Christ. Freedom. We, our heritage is to be free. Our inheritance is eternal life. And let me just point out again, eternal life does not start after you die. Eternal life starts the minute you come and invite Christ into your heart. You confess your sin and you surrender to him, and his spirit comes in you and brings your spirit to life. You are now, the minute that happens, you are living eternal life. You are in eternity. Death is just one of the little transitions along the way. But eternal life starts today, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. And he said, I gave you the spirit as a deposit of that inheritance. This inheritance is huge, it's big, and God has placed his presence, his very presence in us as a deposit of that inheritance. And then the third thing he hopes the eyes of our heart would be enlightened to is his incomparably great power for us who believe. There is power in the presence of the Lord within us. Do you understand that? And by the way, he said, in case you're wondering what power that is, yeah, it's the power that raised Jesus from the dead, so it's kind of big. It's real. That power is at work in you and I. That power is supposed to accompany our faith. So he's saying, I want the eyes of your heart, the eyes of your heart need to be opened. And that's, uh, that's one of the things that has been a burden that I've been trying to, to wrestle with as we go through this series, because I think we talk about, oh yes, nothing's impossible with God. And then the eyes of our heart remain darkened and we kind of live as though, yeah, we, you know, everything is just as it was before. See, all of this is seen in process with the eyes of your heart. And I want to suggest to you this morning that this is the true seat of your life's vision. We all have a life vision, every single one of us. And I believe the eyes of your heart is where it is rooted. What you see, what you feel, what you know, what you long for, it is something deeper than just ideas. It is something that is there. We all have it. We all have a life vision. We all see the world a certain way. 
we respond accordingly. We want to take a quick minute to remind you you're listening to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in this series called Rethinking Impossible, as found on the sermons page at reallife.org. And if you're looking for a new church home, here's your invitation from Pastor Sean. Do you ever look at your life and feel like you were made for something more? Jesus made a simple statement, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you abundant life, real life. I talk to a lot of people, and many seem to feel like they're settling for a whole lot less. Hi, I'm Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church, and we are so convinced that we were made for something better. We call ourselves a church for real life. I'd like to invite you to join us for one of our weekend gatherings, which are an exciting and artistic blend of music, reflection, and practical insights, all designed to explore the life that God meant for us. River City is located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Otama Park. Service times are Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 9.30 and 11.15 a.m. River City is a church for real life, so our home on the web is reallife.org. To find out more, visit us online at reallife.org. God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church. And back to the message, So What? In Rethinking the Impossible, this is Real Life Radio. Remember John 20, we looked at this on Easter, verse 30 and 31. Jesus, it said, we're told, performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And let me just suggest to you, one of the biggest beneficiaries of belief is vision. Belief, real belief, changes your life vision. It changes how you look at the world. It changes how you look at yourself, your future, everything before you. Belief changes that. So, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Here's the whole point. Here's what I want us to wrap with. Here's what I want us to actually move forward with. Rethinking the impossible only matters if it makes you rethink your vision. Rethinking the possible only matters if it makes you rethink your vision. Because if it doesn't, then, oh well, so what? Really, if it doesn't cause us to rethink our vision, what our life is about, kind of what are the rules, what is my purpose, Where's, what's my life direction, if it doesn't cause you to rethink that, then we've missed it. And it really won't make that big a difference. Rethinking the impossible only matters if it makes you rethink your vision. Now remember, vision is that picture that guides your life's purpose and direction. Some people have defined vision as a, a picture of a preferred future. And, you know, we throw that word vision around, okay? In leadership circles, you know, I have a vision, this is my vision. I'm talking about something deeper and something bigger. And there's a lot of conversation about where does vision actually come from? Is it something someone else imparts in us? Is it something we pick up along the way? Is it something that is gradually shaped with us? I'm talking beyond just a dream, something I want to see, but something that is, it's deep within us, this vision, this picture that moves us. Steve Jobs actually was one who said, yeah, if you have vision, motivation is never a problem because it just pulls you forward. It's like you can't resist it. And I think that's actually a really astute observation about deep core vision. Things come to mind, worldview, how I look at the world, your passion, your calling, your convictions, it's deep. And because of that, it is real and it actually drives you. It's what moves us. We all have a life vision that we're living our life according to. Whether we acknowledge it and have written it down or have some statement somewhere, we all have one. See, vision allows me to see and respond differently. And so as I think of 
rethinking our vision in the context of rethinking the impossible, there are some things I think we're supposed to look at differently. Number one, I think we're supposed to see God and his word differently. I think we're supposed to see God and his word differently. I really do. We so often look at this as though this is like a little compartment, you know. Our faith is the religious compartment of our lives. And that is never what God intended. That is not what the scripture describes. We need to begin to see God. He is present. He's real. He's here. And because of that, nothing is the same. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So many people think God is kind of off, far out there, and he put things in motion, and now it's kind of up to us to figure it out. Even the Bible, well, it's a good handbook for living, but, but we're kind of on our own here. And yeah, I believe in God, but he's out there and we're here. Yeah, that is not what the scripture says. It says he is the rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. He says, if you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. His desire is relationship and fellowship with us. And what that means, I, I want us to look at this differently. His word is truth. It is true. Like, well, is it really true? Yes, it is absolutely true. It is not just a manual. It's not a textbook. This is God speaking and revealing himself over the centuries through different writers, different cultures, different languages, but all pointing the same direction to the redemption through Christ and then the new life that is ours in Jesus. And his word is life. His word is truth. What, so much so that what I, what I think we need to, and I'm hoping we can shake the eyes of our heart open here to where when the word says, here's how you respond to a situation, and everybody else says, are you kidding me? No way. And everyone else is saying, no, 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 you got to go this way. No, this is conventional wisdom. You got to do this. This is the right way to go. And the word says, no, no, go this way. Yeah, let every man be a liar. God's word is true. And I'm going to follow him. And when everybody's sitting, looking at you and go, okay, you're whacked. You're absolutely whacked. Yeah, but God said it, so I'm going to do it. Yeah, but you're whacked. Oh, I've been called whacked before. In fact, some of you maybe even here this morning said, you know, he's whacked. It happens. I'm serious to where, because that's exactly what's going to happen. You realize so many times the word of God is going to lead me the exact opposite direction of, quote, conventional wisdom or of the world's kind of ebb and flow. We have to be people who in the context of real life, our stuff, our money, our marriages, our families, our jobs, the real life stuff, say, God, you said this, so I'm going to trust you. I'm going to stand on your word, and I'm going to walk that direction instead of going with the crowd. And it's one thing to talk about it here and go, mm, that's good, preacher, preach that, mm, that's good stuff. It's going to be tougher tomorrow when God is going to bring this to test in your life. He really is. And something's going to come up, and there's going to be an expectation for you to respond a certain way, and he's going to bring a scripture to mind, and you're going, oh, oh, no, not now, not now. (laughs) Everyone's looking, everyone's watching, oh, oh, God. And you're going to know full well, you know what? That's the, kind of the, that's where the crowd goes. And if I want what the crowd has, I can go that way. But Lord, if I want you, I want to live with the reality that you're present, you're real, then I'm going to follow this way, and I'm going to be alone right now. I'm not alone, because you're with me. But I can't expect people who don't believe to understand. See God, word, God, see God and his word differently. And what that means, I can walk in trust. Not just talk about trust, but I can actually walk in trust. 
and know he's good and his word is true. See, rethinking the impossible only matters if it makes you rethink your vision. A new vision allows us to see God and his word differently. Second, it allows us to see the world differently. It allows us to see the world differently. So many times we look at the world as the, oh man, it's just all messed up and we got to get out of this world, can't wait to get out of this world, or we got to have the bunker mentality hide out from the world. Um, do you understand God has a purpose for this world and he is working? He loves this world. He has a purpose and he is working. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20. Uh, in your notes, uh, someone pointed out it says 2 Chronicles. Yeah, no, it's not. It's 2 Corinthians. Okay, just so that's free for you. For the two of you who are actually using the notes, I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. There's more. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20. Here's what he says. All this is from God, listen, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, it's not just about your, you being reconciled. He handed you, as a follower of his, a ministry of reconciliation. Welcome to the ministry. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, Christ God was, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Do you understand? We get to go to this world around us and say, Father's not angry, come home. That's the message of reconciliation. We think of reconciliation in terms of reconciling human relationships, and that's good. That is an important process. But to be honest with you, there's a bigger reconciliation that desperately needs to happen. And when that happens, everything else just kind of gets set right. And it is reconciled to Father. He sent us to say, Father made a way so your sins don't have to be held against you. It's the cross in Jesus. He paid the penalty. He satisfied justice. Come home. He's not mad. He loves you. We get to have the message of reconciliation. But too often, we, and you know, this political season, of course, illustrates it more fully than anything. We make people who think differently than us or the world, we make people on the other side the enemy. Oh, they're the enemy. And we get into this combative mode. That is messed up. And it is backwards. It is not at all the way the Scripture teaches us to walk and to move and to live. I've shared with you the analogy before. It's like a damsel in distress who's being held by a fire-breathing dragon. The damsel's a king's daughter. The king sends out word throughout the whole kingdom. Someone, will anyone go and save my daughter? I need a knight to go and save my daughter. And one brave young man says, I will go. We cannot have a damsel in distress. King, I'm your man. I will solve the problem. King says, thank you. Go. The man goes. The knight, and he sees a fire-breathing dragon. And he sees the damsel. And so he pulls his sword. And he goes and he kills the damsel. No more damsel in distress problem solved. I wrote this in a blog post, don't kill the damsel. Really, think about it. We treat the world, understand, they're not the dragon, they're the damsel. The world around us, that's the damsel who we are called to reach. The enemy, the scripture says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers, principalities, rulers of the air. There is a spiritual enemy, he's real, that's the dragon. The world are the ones who, just like us, are lost without Jesus. And we're called to go bring a message of reconciliation. Say, come home. Father's not mad. He made a way. In Jesus Christ, he made a way. Come home. And you're like, but sometimes the world actually opposes us. I know. That's true. Sometimes the world makes us their enemy. I know. Jesus said that would happen. Read the Sermon on the Mount, and he'll tell us how to deal with that. It's unconventional. It's hard. 
but it's the way we are supposed to conduct spiritual warfare. See, I want to see the world differently. They're not the enemy. The spirit of the world is the enemy. When it says don't love the world, it's talking about the spirit of the world, not the people. Because the, the people of the world says God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. In other words, I can be hopeful about this world, not hopeless. I'm not looking through rose-colored glasses here. I'm just seeing the whole picture, folks. See, rethinking the impossible only matters if it makes you rethink your vision. Where's your vision? Last thing, we have the opportunity to see our future differently. You can see your future differently. A different vision causes me to look into the future and see myself differently, the possibilities, my role, my direction. It starts with who I am in Christ. So many of you know how many people are terrified of the future? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I'll bet if, if you were honest, a lot of you would say, yep, I have been or at least had some serious fear about the future. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. That means we are empowered to live as overcomers. I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be worried about my future. So what that means is I'm empowered to change the world. I can shift my focus from my own fear, shoring myself up, protecting myself, the bunker mentality, and I can break through and I can actually say I'm empowered to make a difference in the world in the name of Jesus. I can become a person with a life of mission. And I'm not saying quit your job and become a full-time missionary, although some of you, that may be God's call. But what I'm saying is, right where you are, you can have a mission. You are God's person on the ground, in your school, in your company, in your neighborhood, wherever it is, in your family. You're God's person on the ground, and you have a mission, reconciliation. Thank you, Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Real Life Radio, and if you've missed any part of this series, Rethink Impossible, It's available right now on demand when you find the sermons link at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park. The service times on Saturday nights at 5 and Sundays at 9.30 and 11.15. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262, as Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. And we hope you join us again next time for more Real Life. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.